0: Another hope filled message from life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. So good that you're here tonight. And if you're down south, you're online, you're here in central or Melbourne. It's just great that you're here. And we're in, uh, for me anyway, week three of God, Money, and Me. So we're going to pray together. So I'm going to ask everybody down south i going to ask everybody here Central and in Melbourne today, tonight, come on, why don't we stand together? Let's stand. We're just going to pray and ask God to give us a grace to hear what he wants to put into our own hearts. Father, we thank you that you're a God that's so big, our human minds cannot wrap itself around you. God, you are beyond our wildest imagination, and yet so often we fit you into the frame or the reference point of where we've been or where we're living. And yet, God, you want to break us out of that. You want to teach us that you're an abundant, super powerful, super able God. And tonight, as we come to your word here in God, money, and me, I pray that you'll give us those ears that hear your voice, that you'll enable us to expand our view in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Come on, let's thank the teams and each campus for worship and everything that they've been bringing. If you're here tonight or you're joining us and you're just uh, tuning into our God, Money and Me series, we are talking about how do we create a foundation? How many know the importance of foundations? If your foundation is not secure, you can't build anything sustainable on it. And uh, we're looking at how do we build a foundation to financial freedom? Can you imagine living a life where money does not direct you, but you direct it? That's what the Bible says should be normal Christian living. And here at Life, if uh, again you're new to Life, you may not be aware, but we have an all-in commitment to go there on any subject that God brings answers to for human living. And we want to help you understand. We want to model it. We want to confront the lie of the enemy that is so prevalent at times, even though we love God and believe in God. I found myself this week reading out of Psalm 23, often read at funerals or read in some kind of setting, but I've never really thought about it in the context that I want to open up tonight with. And it says this Psalm 23, verse 1 The Lord is my shepherd. In other words, God is a God that desires to lead us. He's a God that wants to take us on a journey, and wherever you find yourself in Melbourne, online, here, wherever you are down south, If you're tuning in, it's kind of like God wants to lead you on a pathway that you haven't yet walked. And the psalmist says, the Lord is my shepherd because I've gone God's way, I shall not want. And I look at that when I read the Bible, it's just not like, well, that's cool. I look at that and go, wow, there's still lots of areas in my life I've got to want. It's kind of like, God, I need a breakthrough in this. I need a change in that. And then he wraps up the psalm in verse six by saying, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Because I've learned to go God's way. And when I look behind, there is goodness all around me. There is goodness of God evident in my life, in my children's life. Come on, in my children's children's life. The environment of God's house is amazing. And then immediately the next verse we find Psalm 24 in verse 1. David again cries out. He says these words, The earth is the Lord's. In other words... All of the land of the earth belongs to God. You may have a title to your house, but the earth is the Lord's. And then he says, and all its fullness. In other words, God is not just some kind of spiritual geek in the sky that deals with spiritual things. He is a God that unlocks us spiritually so we can begin to discover the wonder of the vastness of who he is. See, I don't know if I've spent most of my Christian life or much of my Christian life really thinking about God owns everything I can see. God has the power and the authority over everyone, all of the inhabitants and the world and all those that dwell therein. God owns it. You might not feel like God owns you, but tonight I want to tell you, God owns you. God has... A heart and a love and a direction towards you. And in the series God Money and Me, I feel like I'm on a mission because I'm in a, a leaning against the current of belief within the church that needs to change. It's kind of like if you're successful, you look down on. If you if you experience a large, more than multiplying, significant, successful, prosperous life, it's like. Well, that's not right. You're a Christian. You should be small and should be struggling and you should be just getting through. And yet God says, No, that's not the way that I created you. I'm a large God. I own the universes. I created the world. I have answers. If you were to follow the shepherd's leading, your life would begin to change. See, a lot of the church is waiting for God in answer to a prayer to turn up and bless them financially. But I wrote this book, God, Money and Me, because there's three components. It's about God, it's about money, and it's about me. And those three need to come together and fuse in alignment with the purposes of God to break through. And so your answer to breaking through financially, and by the way, prosperity is a biblical word. Oh, it's getting quiet in here. Not in Melbourne tonight, but it's kind of like prosperity is a biblical word. Because prosperity means this, you are able now to access the fullness of God. So that you can experience the blessing of God and therewith become a blessing to others. Could you imagine your future being wilder than you could ever imagine? And that's what God says is don't limit yourself by the way you've been. No. Come on. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. In other words, I'm not going to park until we break through and see the blessing of God on every front. You go to Deuteronomy 8 and verse 18. Come on. The quieter you are tonight, the more revved up I'm going to get. Deuteronomy 8 and verse 18 says these words, you shall remember the Lord your God. What's the God that you remember? The God of just enough? The God that just pulls you out of a crisis? Or is it a big God, a God that is able to deliver you from the patterns of the past? Come on, build a foundation with your involvement for you to see greatness in your life. You shall remember the Lord your God. It is He who who gives you the power. He gives you the authority. He gives you the wherewithal to gain wealth. Wow, I didn't know that was in the Bible. You know, I I don't really want to live in that kind of life where everybody's judging me. No, he gives you the answer, the activation plan to gain wealth. Why? So that he may be released to establish his covenant on earth. Wow. When I began to meditate on that, I thought, oh my God, so much of the church is just existing and the devil knows if we can keep them small and poverty-centered and we don't break through into the areas of God's provision, then the gospel can't touch the four corners of the earth. Did you know that everybody in Aotearoa, everybody in Australia, everybody globally would begin to discover there's a God that loves them if the church was financial enough to meet their need? You say, I don't know if that's scripture. We'll read your Bible, Matthew 5, verse 16. Come on, men will see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. When you unlock the power of God to break open, the enemy has gained such advantage by keeping the church small. And because there's been one or two excesses, we're throwing everything out rather than going, God, my life needs to change. Come on, somebody say amen. By the way, here in Central at least, we're going to lock the doors if you don't respond. And we're going to go really, really long tonight. I wrote this down. Because I believe that money controls human hearts. I want you to stop. Ask yourself a question right here, right now. Does money control your heart? Do you feel better when money is there than you do when it's not? What role does money have in your heart? See, it controls human hearts. That's why the enemy doesn't want us to teach like this, it directs everyday decisions. Would your week look different this week if you had broken through in money? Would you be directed to by the need for money? Would you be more on a mission, come on, given from heaven? Would you be able to be free to make your decisions based on God's abundance rather than your need for money? It determines, we saw last week, the measure of God's authority in our lives. How we respond to money determines how much God can release to us, and every one of us have money issues. I was sharing this morning the story of Henrietta. She was quite a forceful lady, and she had a whole lot of money. And she married a guy called Henry. Unfortunate, Henrietta and Henry. And so, over the process of time, or fairly early into their marriage, they decided she decided they'd buy a beautiful home. They did that, and so the home was purchased, and they began to move in. It was moving in day, and She said, Henry, let's look at this home. Let's go through every room, and they walked through every room, and Henry just followed Henrietta, and that's nice, isn't it, Henry? He just nodded, that's nice. Uh, By the end of the tour of the home, Henrietta said to Henry, you realize, Henry, don't you, that if it wasn't for my money, we wouldn't have this home. As every good husband is, he didn't say anything, he just said, "Mm, yes, dear. Later on that day, the truck arrived with all the furniture for each of the rooms, and It was put into the rooms and unpacked, looked beautiful. Henrietta said, come on, Henry, let's have a look. And they just looked at the beauty of all the furniture and how the house now looks so homely. And by the end of the tour around the home again, she said, you realize, don't you, Henry, without my money, you wouldn't have this. Well, finally, the final truck turned up with a big new TV. They put it in the TV room and Henrietta said, Henry, come on, come and sit on the couch with me. And I just want to remind you one more time. If it wasn't for me, we wouldn't have this TV. Well, Henry had enough. He said, honey, I don't really know how to say this, but I need to say something. Honey, if, if it wasn't for your money, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> My question tonight, come on. Week three in God, money, and me. How different... Would your life, your relationships, your future be if it wasn't being decided to by money? Well, I'm going to spend seven to ten years studying for a job I want to get because it's got lots of money. But I don't really want to do that job. We've already looked how that in part one, there are many myths to do with money that God wants to cause us to understand truth about. If you weren't here, have a look at that. Last week, I talked about God's order of release. There is a pattern to releasing financially our own lives. Today, I want to continue on and talk about the four parts or the four foundational ingredients that I felt God give me years ago, having been a Christian my whole life, that I needed to put in tension one with another. That if these four were to work the right way it would release the pattern of God's blessing over my life. And it begins with this word stewarding. Again, last week we began by touching on it, and stewarding is about a decision I get to make about who is sovereign in my financial world. See, stewarding is when God says, I'm going to bless you, and when financial increase comes your way, I'm seeing whether you can be a good steward of my part. The first tenth of... Your increase belongs to me. And so I'm going to see whether you choose to put me sovereign over your financial world. Because if you don't, the enemy has access rights. And the enemy then can begin to bind you up. The word sovereignty literally means authority, control, and influence. There is a lot of the church, hear me out, a lot of the church have failed to steward God's tenth and are under the influence and control of mammon, even though they love God intensely. And there's a part of their life that is falling down because it has never come to a place of submission to who God is. And there's a great chapter I'd encourage you to read over and over, and it's in Malachi 3, and this is how it begins. Malachi 3 verse 6, God writes and he says, For I am the Lord, I do not change. When, when there's an argument saying, well, tithing's an Old Testament law, it's an Old tes- Testament principle. No, no, you've got to get this. God puts this preface I don't change, this is about me. This is not about, it was in the Old Testament law, but it's not about Old Testament law. And because I don't change, you are not consumed. I understand your frailty. Yet, verse 7 From the days of your dads or your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances. Not Old Testament law, but ordinances, and an an ordinance is a command. It's a specific decree. It's a prescribed portion. And uh, what we don't realize is that God, when we increase, is saying there is the first tenth that belongs to me, and I don't change. And if you want me sovereign over the 90% and unlock a financial future for you, you need to come back into orbit of where I'm at. Goes on to say, return to me and I'll return to you. In other words, if you return to me what belongs to me, you release me to return to the 90 and to begin to unlock you and throw mammon and its power off your life. Verse 8, will a man rob God? It's kind of like, well, how can you rob God? He's God. No, will you rob God? Am I robbing God from being able to step in to the 90 to see us go to a new level? You say, in what way could we rob you, God? And God says, in your tithe, your first tenth, and in bringing your offerings. Your generosity, your seed, as we'll see in a moment, unlocks so much more. You know, God is not a religious God. It's not like you've got to do all these things before. It's like, no, you have to, out of your heart, respond to who I am. So out of who I am, I can respond to you. And so it's a decision. Right from the beginning of time, there's been a decision. Churches that make people tithe, it's not right. We don't even take offerings here at Life in Auckland. And, uh, and, and the reason for that is we're not making you, but I will teach truth. And you get to decide whether you're going to go God's way and see his blessing. Come on, follow you all the days of your life. So I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life because goodness and mercy have followed me. I've made that level of decision. Verse 10, bring all the tithes. The first of your increase, the first tenth, bring it in where? To the storehouse that there might be food in my house. I'm still a believer, and I'm not sure if you're with me on this, that the church is going to grow and be paramount in society. Come on, whether you love her or despise her, she's going to provide an alternative in our culture. Come on, in our future. And it's God's strategy. If you would get this, it's God's strategy to build his church. The bride is the center, the cornerstone of society. And I love that as we honor God with what is His. And then verse 10, this is so profound, He issues a challenge. Some versions say, prove me. Some say, test me. Some say, try me. And this is what it says. Try me now. The original is this. Put me on trial, would you? I mean, this is the God that doesn't need you. This is the God that loves you, but the God that could wipe out the planet in a moment and continue on for eternity. And he says, I'm prepared for you to put me on trial so I can teach you that I have the authority over your financial world and you can break open. Would you try me, says the Lord. How do we try him now? Come on, this is a great revelation. It's like, oh yeah, I've got to get that area of my life sorted out. And when I get increase, I'll do it, or I'll do it next week, or I'll do it next month. And you know what? Between now and next week, or now and tomorrow, the enemy's going to come in and say, you know, are you sure about that? Can you really trust God on that? Try me now, if I will not, what? Open for you the windows of heaven. You and the generations that follow you are going to walk under and open heaven. I'm going to pour you out such a blessing that... Where you're at today will never contain what I'm about to do. You go, well, I've never seen that. Oh, I've seen it. We started in a little school hall. Come on, we had about 80 people and that was maxed out. Come on, we couldn't even get the staff into that hall now. You begin to try God. You test him, and you see what he is released to do in your life. Not only that, all the nations of the world will call you blessed. See, there is a lot of debate around tithing. There's a lot of confusion, a lot of questions. Some of the questions are like this. Well, if the first tenth belongs to God, how do I base my first tenth? Do I tithe on my gross or my net? Do you know what that means? Before tax or after tax? And I go, it's a fairly simple answer. Who's in charge of your life? The government or God? Well, I have to pay tax, absolutely. And you get benefits for paying tax. You have roads to drive on. Come on. You have a again sickness benefits, you have all kinds of things that come your way. Yeah, but I don't like paying tax. Well, the Bible says you should honor those in authority and you should pay tax. By the way, you stop paying tax or try to dodge tax, you're not gonna have God's blessing on your financial world. There are many things that we sidestep and it's kinda like so for Marie and I, it's always been we pay God on the gross. Why? Because that's our income. And you say, yeah, but that, that's going to stretch me any further. It's going to get a lot worse than that and further on in this message. <laughs> and then into next week, it's kind of like, you, you mean I don't just need to give the first tenth into God's house? That, Yeah, that's right. If you want to harvest, you're going to have to sow for it. Yeah. Wow. But What's going to happen then? Well, if you don't think you can control the outcome, why don't you give it fully to God and go his way and let God the shepherd lead you, come on through the maze, bring answers to you. In fact, the Pharisees tried to trip Jesus up and they said, you know, Jesus, you're the kind of leader that you don't even care about people really. You just tell it like it is. And and shouldn't we or should we uh, really give to Caesar if it's all about God? And, and in verse 19 of Matthew 22 uh, I love how Jesus responds. He says, show me the tax money, or show me the money. Yeah, come, on. come on, show me the money. Come on, I want to check your tax, uh, your, your checkbook out. I want to I have a look to see how you're really operating underneath the covers here. Let's have a look. So they brought him a denarius, and he said to them, so whose inscription is on the money? They said, well, it's Caesar's. Well, he said to them, then you have an obligation to render to the government what is the government? And listen to this. You need to render to God what is God's. It's like, wow. Well, I have to do the government, but I don't have to do God's. And the devil says, that's right. You don't have to do it. You get to choose to do it. Leave it till tomorrow. And yet God's saying, if you would just realize I could rebuke the devourer on your behalf. Come on, I could unlock your future in such a way. Man, I'm preaching better than you're responding tonight. You go, yeah, but seriously, does that all belong to God? Let's flick over a couple of pages, Jono. Haggai 2 verse 8. Listen to this scripture. It says, the silver is mine, says God, and the gold is mine. Yeah, well, I thought God was just about spiritual things. No, he said the silver is mine. Come on. And the gold is mine. In other words... I just honor God, and I realize that the first thing God is asking me to do is to realize that I am here to steward, and make God's sovereignty over my life as my first choice. Yeah. Yeah. It's an amazing thing, isn't it, that we get challenged? I remember when I was eighteen, I wanted to go to Bible college the next year. It was only eight, eighteen, uh, sorry, eight months away before the intake happened, and I was working for Mum and Dad at the time. And I looked at my salary, and I thought, I. I had tithed since before I was five, but I calculated what I'd need for the entrance cost, and I worked it out counted every pay week, and I couldn't get there. First time in my life at 18, since I was before five, I said, God, you know, how many have ever negotiated with God? Come on, God, you're a good God. You understand my dilemma. It's kind of like, by the way, I'm doing this for you. You know, if I do good, I might be in your house helping you out. And I realized I couldn't get there. And I was tempted for the first time I could ever remember of not tithing. And I got to a point where I felt like the Holy Spirit to say, Paul, you need to trust me. So I, I remember the night I got down before God and said, if I continue to bring the first tenth and give it to you, God, I can't get there. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put you on trial. I'm going to test you. Not only will I give you the first tenth, I'm going to give another tenth. I'm going to seed because I can't get there anyway. Do you know, within eight months, this is what happened. Within two, month, uh, two weeks of that decision, my mum and dad came back to me and they said, you know, we do a lot of catering. They did weddings and functions for the All Blacks, all sorts of things in Wellington. And they said, there are a lot of functions that are under or up to 150 strong and we can't do them all. We know you could do it. So if you want to take them on, you can do all of those functions. Within eight months, I had all of my fees saved. I had enough money to live the whole year at Bible College. I bought a brand-new GS Suzuki motorbike, 400cc. It was blue. And I had enough money to go on an international trip as part of my training for that year because I did it God's way. My challenge to you is, come on, it begins with stewarding. And the question of, okay, well, do I tithe on the gross in the net? It's about the fact of going... I just put God first. What about this one? I can't afford to tithe. Seriously. Maybe that's why you are where you're at. It's the beginning point. It's kind of like, well, I can't afford to tithe. No, well, if you can't afford to tithe, there was a widow at Saraphath and Elisha came. Remember the story? And she only had a little jar of oil and a little bit of flour to make her last meal. And she tells the man of God, wow, it's great to have you here. My son and I are about to die. We're going to have our last meal. You know what? Elisha said, give it to me. Can you imagine what the papers would say about that? How could you do such a thing to a widow that's about to die? Give it to me. Because he understood the power of if you, come on, steward and return to God his portion, he'll step in on the rest. And so she did it. And what happened is the oil continued to flow. And she was able to live and create a future on what God brought her way. See, the tithe, the first releases the rest. It, it begins to cause the multiplication power of God to come upon it. And again, come on, if we're in South, we're in Melbourne, we're online tonight, and you might be feeling a bit squeamish. Or Wherever you're watching, I want to just say to you that God is so ready. It's kind of like he's like a thoroughbred horse uh, waiting to race. It's kind of like his nostrils are flared. Man, I've just got that picture right now. He's about, you know, it's about the, would you open the gate for me? Come on, would you let me in? You say, yeah, but I struggle. Yeah, well, God's saying if you would listen to this. If you just accept that God is that big. I remember when we sold, I think it was our first house, and we'd never had anything, and it wasn't worth a lot of money. But first time again, I was, apart from the 18, I I, I was, or Marie and I, I felt like I was challenged because between what we paid and what we spent on it, what we got for it, it was a bit of money. But to buy another house, we needed it all. And God says, where's my past? It's a test. I'm going to steward. Are you going to do that? Never forget preaching in Sydney around tithing. And this dear, dear solo mum, two little kids, I believe, came up and said, Pastor Paul, that was great. I think there's even a tear in her eye. And she said, but seriously, we don't have enough money to even get food for us. And my father's heart came out and I said you know what honey this is not a this is not a legalistic thing this this is a heart response and you need to do whatever you feel to do but God will understand you know I'll never forget the the drive home because like the Holy Spirit was in the car and it was like so you know better than me so you've just played into the devil's hand here this is not about God trying to take money from people. This is about him gaining access as the Lord and stepping in because by them stewarding the first tenth, God has got a right to multiply the rest. And you know, I had to ring her and say, hey, you know, I responded as a dad, a natural dad, but I felt like the Holy Spirit just said, I've given you the wrong advice. You get to choose, but I believe if you'd honor God with the first tenth, even of the smallest of things, you're going to see the power of God unlock your future. Come on, there's no such thing as I can't afford to tithe. What constitutes my increase? Well, if you get a salary, that's your increase. Come on, you get a, somebody gives you a payout, it's an increase. You win the lotto, it's a big increase. No, I'm not promoting go to the lotto. By the way, the Bible says if you think your future is in a quick fix thing, Whatever you can fix quickly will break down quickly. You build your life line upon line. Come on, precept upon precept. If you buy something for X and you sell it for X more, that increase is where you need to honor God in that. In a business, same thing. Whatever you pay yourself is your increase. If you're in a new business, then a lot of times you put cash into building your business up. If the business belongs to you, there'll come a point where you need to tithe on what it's making or you'll tithe on its sale value. But Until it becomes a direct increase to you is the point where you are directly responsible for it. And if you know anything about business, you've got to put a lot of capital into a business to get it up and running. Come on. But you tithe on the benefit that you are getting from that business. By the way, there are so many things that I could bring up. What if I think the church is using my money unwisely? Some people say that. I don't give to our church because I don't believe in what they're doing. It's not up for you to believe anything about it. It's up for you to obey God. And by the way, if you are in a church that's using the money unwisely, why are you there? Use your head. It's a good thing to use now and again. Come on, if a church does not have financial accountability, if it doesn't have outside auditors that look at all the finances, if it doesn't have, come on, upline accountability, don't be a part of it. There's some crazy things out there, but it's not your choice as to where it goes. It's God's choice. And he said it belongs in the church. It belongs. Yeah, but, but what about other ministries? Can I tithe to other ministries? No, that's not a tithe. A tithe belongs in the house. It's God's plan. Come on, we're watering down God's plan. Well, how do you support missionaries? You give above your tithe. Come on, you can do what you like with the 90%, which brings us to the second point. Are you staying with me? Not only do we need a steward, but we need a seed. And I love this. I get worked up on this, and and it's kind of like, you know, so much of the church say, well, it's just not fair. I didn't have the start that I needed in life. Or you don't understand, you know, my, my family, generations have been in poverty. Well, here's an answer. The Bible says in Genesis 8, verse 22, it becomes a revelation to me. He said, It says, as long as the earth remains, that means tonight. These irrevocable laws will always exist. What are they? Seed, time, and harvest. I love it. They are cold and heat, day and night, summer and winter. How many know we question summer and winter in New Zealand, but it's kind of like these are divine laws that God says I'm committed to. Okay, so get this. You can change anything in your future by putting seed in that area for an outcome. Well, our marriage is really struggling. Are you putting marriage seeds in? Or are you just pointing the finger at your spouse? Come on. Well, I'm praying for a better job, but I never seem to get one. Well, do you deserve it? Are you there first where you're working now? Oh, I don't like the boss. Well, the boss might not like you. That was a word for some of the people on the front row. It's kind of like... Well, that wasn't good seed being sown right there, was it? No, seriously. Look, I don't want to upset you, but I do want to shift you. If you live, if I only had, you'll never break through. You've got to take seed, but I haven't got much. But seed can create a forest. Come on, if you need financial breakthrough, you not only have to steward what is God's, you've got to then look at the 90% and go, I need to sow seed to create a harvest. And a farmer knows I've got a right to expect the harvest when I have put the seed in the ground. Come on, I've fertilized the soil, I've watered it, sun is touching it, and now I've begun to believe that God is going to turn my life around. Again, 2 Corinthians 9, 6, this is what I say. He who sows sparingly will live a sparing future. If you so bountifully, you can live a bountiful future. It's kind of like some of us go out and have a coffee with someone, typical Christian. And it gets really quiet when it comes time to who's going to pay the bill. And we start talking about other things, and then they start talking about other things. Then we put our hand in the pocket, and it's like we can't get it out. And then somebody says, oh, I'll get it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're such a generous person. Kind of like, there has to be a spirit change. Well, my job demands so much. No, are you seeding your future in your job? Come on, are you seeding your future in your marriage? Are you seeding your future into your children? Are you seeding your future in your church? Are you seeding the future? Because if you put carrot seed in the soil, and it's good soil, come on, you can't expect carrots to come as a result. God will do his part, but you and I need to seed it. How generous are you? What do you purpose in your heart? Because in verse 7, it says, let each one give as they purpose in their heart. If I said generosity, where are you on a scale of one to 10? Oh, you don't understand, pastor. I just don't have a lot. I've been to countries where they've got nothing. Pastor, come and have a meal with us. I didn't know, but they would put a meal on the table, which meant they couldn't eat for the next three days. That's generosity. That's where God begins to move in. Come on and turn the future around. We should be known as the most generous people. Even our applause and our response to the preacher needs to be generous. You just say, well, you're just a bit up yourself, pastor. No, I'm not. I just believe in a big God. Come on, a positive, lean, and all-in kind of church that's going to change And see society discover there is a God. And don't don't debate me on what you feel. Debate me on God's word. I love how it goes on in verse 10 of 2 Corinthians 9. It says, now may God who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. Supply, listen to this, and multiply. Who is God going to supply the seed to? See, we think if I had the seed... I'd sow. God says no seed comes to the sower. When you get generous in your spirit, seed is going to start to flow. And then God is going to multiply that seed and create a harvest. See, we're not breaking through into the harvest we really need to break through into. Galatians 6 and verse 7, be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you reap. Whatever you sow, come on, you reap. And we need to understand stewarding. We need to understand seeding. We need to understand, thirdly tonight, saving. And next week, I'm going to talk about saving and spending. But saving was an interesting thing because I had these two completely committed in my life. In fact, we were seeding so much that we gave everything away. And then when I came to God, I said, God, this is not working for us. And my dad had always said, you know, I started life here in New Zealand with 25 US dollars and son, it's been good for me. You need to do the same. And even though it sounded good, when I went to God's word, I realized that's not right. We should be, come on, setting up the generations that follow us on a platform of the breakthrough that we've experienced. People say, well, money doesn't grow on trees. No, the truth is it grows on generational trees. If the generations that follow Marie and I are not at a better level, we are not breaking into the prosperity of the kingdom of God. Come on. If the devil always wants us to restart every generation so we don't get too far down the track. Whereas it's the church, we're going to look at it differently. Proverbs 13, 22. Still with me? It says, a good man. Are you a good man? You're a good woman, a good man. What do they do? They leave an inheritance to their children's children. And also, they discover the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the righteous. So you might not like this, but I'm telling you that the Christian church, those that are in relationship with Jesus, should be more wealthy than the people out in the world. And you go, why would that be? I don't need any more money. Don't be so flippin' selfish. It's not about the money you need, it's about the channel you can be for those that have never discovered breakthrough in their life, that today are starving, today are limited, today are held back. And the challenges that we stay there, no, a good man leaves an inheritance for their children's children. We should be leading the way in society. And then you go to the next verse and it says, but much food is in the fallow ground of the poor. In other words, most of the church is in poverty. And I just want to breathe life into you as come on the teams, come and join us on Melbourne and and, uh, South. There's much food in the fallow ground. What's fallow ground? It's the untilled ground. Don't you ever believe that what you haven't had is what your future is going to be. You've got the potential to change the environment of your world when you go God's way. But it's going to take stewarding. It's going to take Seeding, It's going to take saving, and it's going to take spending, the right kind of spending in the right kind of season. But much food is, come on, in the fallow ground of the poor. Listen to this. But for lack of justice, there is waste. The word justice is the same word of divine order and ordinance. Because there is no follow-through of the ordinance. Well, tithing's not in the New Testament. Tithing was just in the Law. No, it's in Proverbs. It's in Leviticus before the law. It's in Matthew 23, 23. It's an ordinance. It's about who God is. It was in the law, but it wasn't contained to the law. It's an ordinance. For lack of ordinance. Come on. There's no breakthrough. There's, the enemy's got us. And so you look at that and you say, well, how do I live that? It's about the 10 10 plan. It's about... The ability to go, well, if God, His portion is 10%, percent i got to work over the next few years to have 10% that I'm going to be seeding wherever I feel to seed it. It's mine to seed. I can help my neighbor who goes through a crisis. I can make a decision, put it into a building project. I can help missionaries. I can just bless people, whoever I have. By the way, you should all have a jar or an account where your seeding money is already gathering momentum. How how different would that be? I've got money. I could do things here. Not only should you seed, but your saving needs to mirror what you are seeding. Your saving goes to pay off your debt, goes to pay for your house. It goes to a non-depreciating asset that's going to go generationally. It's not for your retirement. It's going to be for the generations that follow you. So they begin at a whole high point. Come on, where money is not the thing they have to pursue to get their house. They've got their basics already set, and now they can follow God's leading on what they're there to do and increase the principle, the 10, 10, 10. And that means I have to live on 70. Well, I couldn't do that, Paul. Well, why don't you start somewhere? The first 10th is non-negotiable. That's God's word. Start with 2% that you're going to seed. Just put it aside, 2%. And then have another 2% match it that you're going to help. Again, Save or put into an account where you reduce your debt or you buy a house, you do things that are going to echo through generations and then you can live on eighty six percent or in a year or two 's time you go ten, five, five eighty, then ten, 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 seventy and then you could move past that as you begin to see the blessing of God flow, you could live at 10, twenty 20 fifty. You could reduce your spending to fifty and yet it'll be a whole lot more because you 've got so much more increase, but you 're seeding twenty percent and you're saving twenty percent. I started this when I was 38 years of age. And it's begun to unlock our lives incredibly. We still, we don't own investment properties. We got one house, still got a mortgage because we started too late because nobody taught me the truth of God's word and the formula to break the poverty cycle. Come on, and just the seeding cycle. And tonight, wherever we are, I, I just want to challenge you that money is a bigger issue than what we realize. All of our children should have four containers. And every time they increase, start young. First tenth is God's. Come on, second tenth. I can spend and help somebody at school wherever I want to. I can seed into that. Third tenth, that goes to the generations. That's going to help me buy a house sometime in the future. And then I've got $7 out of the 10 I can spend. And that's what begins to change the whole cycle of the enemy's plan. Come on to break us down. I hope you hear that tonight. Because this will change you here at life. You know what I love you to do is I want you to take this giving envelope. I want everybody, even if you're visiting, it's in the seat pocket in front of you. I just want you to pick it up. and I'm not going to ask you to give. I'm, I'm asking you just to hold this because I kind of felt a nudge of the Holy Spirit this week as we've been teaching on this. Paul, you've got to create or help people realize there's a decision point of whether we're going to do it. Many of us give online. And by the way, if you give by automatic payment, let me just give you some advice. Don't just sign off and say, well, I'm going to tithe. I'm going to honor God. And so, It's about a relational connection. And if you do give automatically, it's a great way to do it. But make sure at least monthly or when your pay comes, if you're just somebody who gets a salary or whatever it is, make sure you say, God, this is a decision I'm making to honor you. And again, as I sow seed, I'm sowing seed for harvest. That's not arrogance. That's the word of God. You have not because you asked not. And you begin to apply the principle in your everyday life. But tonight, this is what I'm going to ask you. If you love God tonight, are you stewarding what is His? If you don't honor God with your increase, He cannot be part of that increase. Maybe you've had a large thing come your way. Maybe you've made money from a house. Did you honor God? Now, You don't live in guilt. You can't go back. But at the same time, whatever you don't honor God in the first with, the spirit of mammon has access to the rest of what just happened. I don't want to live under the power of man. I want to live under the authority and sovereignty of God. And again, I want you to pray about it. I want you to think about it. How do we give it life? We don't even take up offerings. What we do is we make a decision to do it. They're giving stations in the foyer, giving containers at the door, but we make a decision. When our increase comes, we're going to live by revelation, not by pressure, because it's a heart response in light of God's word. By the way, God's not after your money. He just said he owns all the silver and all the gold. He's after being Lord of your life. When he's Lord of your life, the power of the enemy just breaks off you and he set you free. Father, we pray tonight that you would help us in this area where the enemy is so attacking, that we would not be like the rich young ruler that wanted eternity, but couldn't position money and mammon second. We want to be in a place where you're released over all that we are.